Good morning and welcome to True Talk. This is your host Samar Jarrah. My co my co-host Ahmed will be joining uh, next week and soon we will be celebrating the fasting month of Ramadan. So Ramadan Mubarak to all of the, those of you who um, fast or celebrate uh, this event. We're going to be having a very interesting conversation with a director. Her name is Julia Basha. She's Brazilian and she is the director of a movie called Boycott. And to start off the show, I'm going to play something different today. I'm going to play the Rosa Parks song. This is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. legislation Back to True Talk. I hope you enjoyed my pick, uh, the Rosa Parks uh, song, uh, and um, uh, the uh, the reason uh, I played it is because we're going to be talking uh, with Julia Basha about uh, the movie uh, uh, Boycott, uh, and you can um, let me just uh, welcome uh, Julia. Good morning, Julia. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Samar. It's great to be here. 
Uh, yes, Julia, I have been following you for a while and then uh, luckily I saw that uh, Boycott, uh, the film has um, a showing, I think, very soon. Uh, but let me just um, tell our listeners that uh, Julia is a filmmaker, media strategist and the creative director at Just Vision, which is an organization that fills a media gap on Israel and Palestine. Uh, through uh, doing independent storytelling. Uh, we can talk about uh, that uh, later on. Uh, but she is uh, also the uh, writer and editor of Control Room. And I think, uh, Julia, our listeners are familiar with this documentary uh, because uh, it has to do, I think, with media coverage uh, during uh, the latest uh, Gulf War 2004. And uh, I think you did uh, other uh, movies. We can talk about them later on. But this one is really uh, very dear to my heart because it's an issue that some people might think it's only related to um, uh, Palestinians. Uh, but really, it has uh, really consequences on our lives here later on. But before I do that, good morning, uh, Julia. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? I... You're from Brazil. How did you end up uh, caring about such complex issue like the Arab-Israeli conflict? Good morning, Samar, and good morning, listeners. Um, I became first interested in the Middle East when I was uh, studying at Columbia University and September 11 uh, took place. I um, was a foreign student um, in America and was surprised by how limited and problematic the discourse and narrative uh, became so quickly um, attacking uh, populations in the Middle East, uh, going towards war, and became involved in the anti-war um, organizing on campus at the time, which led me to, after graduation, moving to Egypt, where I made my first documentary as a writer and editor, Control Room, which you referenced earlier. And then I went to uh, Jerusalem, where I started making documentary films with the team at Just Vision. And um, I did not expect that I would spend the last 17 years um, of my life making films about Israel and Palestine. But I started working very closely with a team of Palestinians and Israelis that really opened my eyes to the importance of talking about what's happening at the civil society level and what resistance is taking place to the occupation, because there's so little coverage of that um, in Western media. Um, so this film boycott is actually our first documentary in the United States. All of our prior films had been uh, documenting Palestinians and Israelis on the ground. And we felt that it was really important to um, ring the alarm bell for Americans who may think that um, Israel and Palestine is far away, that uh, it's hopeless, they don't wanna deal with, with it. Um, unfortunately, if you don't want to deal with Israel and Palestine, Israel and Palestine wants to deal with you uh, as the film boycott uh, shows. I want to uh, really, uh, I know, um, I want to talk about boycott and your movies. But before that, I'm curious to know uh, if the U.S. is unique in its lack of coverage of, uh, let's say, the Palestinians. It covers the Israelis whenever they are uh, victims, but not necessarily when the Palestinians are victims. But is it the case uh, growing up in Brazil and Latin America? Is it the same thing that is kind of bias with the coverage of the issue? I have to confess that because I left Brazil when I was 17, 
I can't offer an incredibly um, uh, well-advised uh, analysis of, of Brazilian media coverage. I will say that, you know, since as an adult, and obviously my family is still in Brazil and I'm very connected um, to my country and society and the media, I do think that there is um, somewhat more of a diversity of coverage in Brazil than you see in the United States, uh, but it's still problematic. Okay, let's talk about uh, going to Palestine. When you went to Palestine, uh, you uh, in uh, 2012 uh, directed and produced My Neighbor. Uh, sorry, uh, 2009 you di uh, directed and produced Budros. Um, like how long did you stay there before you realized that there is something, there is something uh, there in Palestine that needs to be told? And what is Budros about? Um, so Budrus is the story of a village in the West Bank that, like many other communities, was going to be destroyed when Israel decided to build uh, the wall um, that was uh, ostensibly about protecting uh, Israel's security, but in reality ended up um, being built in large sections inside the West Bank and uh, destroying the ability of communities that have been living for centuries in some of these villages uh, to continue thriving. Um, the wall in Budrus was going to be built through the villages and the community cemetery. It was going to eventually encircle the community, forcing them to have to move uh, away from um, where generations uh, have been living. And that community decided to stand up to that threat and organized a series of protests uh, through civil disobedience where they would put their bodies in front of the bulldozers that came in to uproot the olive trees in order to make way for the building of the wall. And uh, through um, their determination, they ended up uniting their community. So members of all political parties uh, were organizing together. The women uh, in the community took a leadership role. It was a 15-year-old girl called Altizam Morar who first managed to one day stop the bulldozer from working. Uh, and that moment galvanized the community to believe that they could actually do this. Uh, and hundreds of Israeli activists learned about the organizing and went to the West Bank to protest in solidarity with the Palestinians. And um, I encourage anybody who's interested, the film is available um, on several places online. If you Google it, Budrus um, and um, Just Vision, you will be able to find out to learn what happens at the end. Uh, let me just uh, mention that B U D R U S Budrus uh, is written in the English language B U D R U S. And to our listeners, if you want to join the conversation, you can email us email us at w dj at wmnf.org. dj at wmnf.org. You can always text us to eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. And I'm talking to director. Julia Basha, and now we're going to be talking about uh, the movie, uh, the film Boycott. Uh, let's, uh, can I play the trailer and then uh, jump uh, into the conversation, Julia? How about that? Of course. Okay, perfect. Uh, I'm going to play it from the same feed. So here is the trailer of uh, the Boycott, the movie. People told me about this bill in Congress, the Israel Anti-Boycott Act, that would make it a crime to participate in a boycott of Israel 
I, I honestly just laughed and I said, that can't be as serious, but we don't need to spend time on this. Everybody understands that there's a First Amendment right to boycott. Congress would never seriously consider criminalizing it. And then someone told me that it had like 55 co-sponsors in the Senate on both sides of the aisle. Once I started delving into this issue, I started hearing about all these anti-boycott laws in the states. I got an invitation to become a math trainer for the state of Kansas. I was ready to do my first training. I got an email saying, oh, one more thing. And my boss sort of smirked at me and he said, you know, there's something in here that you're really not going to like. I was stunned to see that there was a clause that I would not engage in a boycott of Israel. Like, what does the state of Israel have to do with Texas and elementary school? Basically, all it says is uh, contractor warrants. He does not and will not participate in a boycott of Israel as defined by, and it gives the law a number. Then he said, I'm going to keep you from getting business from us until you sign this. It's required by the law. I promise everything in this application is true. I promise that my company's in good standing. I promise that I'm not boycotting Israel. We were like, hey, we are boycotting Israel. I shouldn't lose employment because of this overreach. She apologized and said, I tried to do something, but unfortunately, if you don't sign it, you cannot return back to work. I called the ACLU and I just left a voicemail. I thought, okay, well, that's the end of that. Nobody will ever get back to me. Within 30 minutes, I had a phone call back and they said, we've been waiting for your call. People should be very concerned about state elected officials telling you that you actually have no right to express your views in the ways that are consistent with our democracy. There are a number of examples of how boycotts have been used effectively in the United States, where people withhold their money in order to push policymakers to make things more fair. To have a proliferation of bills that are criminalizing or penalizing that is really, really troubling and problematic. If you do sign it, and this becomes the norm, then you've just opened a Pandora's box. These are templates for quashing free speech on any issue. Take Israel out of it, take boycott Israel, and make, them, make someone certify that they don't uh, contribute money to Planned Parenthood. How many words would I have to change in this legislation to use it to condition contracts and thereby quash free speech of anyone who, say, supports Black Lives Matter or is involved in protesting for environmental reasons? It's like 10 words. It's a template. Why people are not more worried about it is just baffling. Becoming a plaintiff in a First Amendment case by the ACLU, especially on a hot-button issue like this one, all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, this could really change your life. Long-term friend of mine asked me, why aren't you getting involved in local issues? And I said, well, this issue is local. I didn't want an international issue in my contract. And there it was. This is like as local as you can get. All we're asking for is the right not to take a position. This just felt like a call, like you have the opportunity now to shine a light on this injustice. Free speech! Free speech! I'm looking forward to my day in court. I don't want to get too excited, but hard to imagine it going better. Whenever you see injustice, regardless of what face or gender, what's going on, you speak up. You have to say something.
and welcome back to True Talk. I'm very pleased to say that we have on the phone with us the director of this uh, seems fascinating uh, film called Boycott and the director is Julia Basha. How did you start hearing, uh, Julia, about uh, the idea of boycott and that there are actually states where you can be a simple person going to get a contract as an engineer maybe or as a uh, some IT person and want to apply for a contract, a, a bid with the government, local government and then if you don't pay attention, there is a little tiny line there that says you can't get this job if you boycott Israel. How did you hear about it? So I've been making documentaries about Israel and Palestine for the past 17 years. And we've noticed a trend over um, the past few years of uh, governments, both in Israel, but also in Europe and in the United States, attempting to stop um, individuals and civil society organizers from um, holding Israel accountable for its human rights violations through the means of boycotts. Uh, now, boycotts, divestment and sanctions, as we see uh, currently in um, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, is a really critical tool for governments, for companies, um, for individuals, for institutions to be able to hold governments accountable um, when there are violations of international law. Um, boycotts are protected uh, under the First Amendment in the United States. And it's a tool that have been used historically to address um, a lot of evils that uh, have plagued our societies, both domestically in the United States, um, when in the civil rights movement, boycotts were used widely, um, as well as internationally, when boycotts were used against apartheid South Africa by international civil society. So we noticed that there was an attempt by governments to use their economic power to say that if you want a public contract, you need to sign a pledge promising not to boycott Israel. And when we saw that there were individuals across the country that were willing to risk their livelihoods in order to challenge these bills in courts, we knew we had to tell the story of their fight. Let me start with Bahia. I know that you have several uh, people, I think Brian, Esther, Michael, but bec uh, because Bahia, I, um, and she is not of Palestinian background, but she is American, I think of Syrian background, and she's a Muslim, where's the hijab? And really, I saw in an interview with her when this whole thing started with her saying, it never even crossed my mind or she wasn't, political then. Let's start with the story of Bahia. What happened? Yeah. So Bahia Maui is actually Palestinian. -American. Oh, she is. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Is. Yeah, no, okay. okay. Sorry. Um, and, uh, and she, um, you know, she's not someone that is, she, she talks about this. She's not like super political and is not involved in leadership or organizing around the boycott campaigns. But, you know, in her life, she makes choices like we all do. We are constantly deciding what we're going to buy and what we're not going to buy. And in her choices, it's very important for her that she's not contributing to the occupation of the Palestinian people. She has family members who are in the West Bank, and she doesn't want uh, to be complicit in the violations of their rights. Um, that is something that um, she never expected would come up in her job. Uh, Bahia is a speech therapist. She supports children in the Austin area that have difficulty with speech. And she's actually the only 
um, bilingual Arabic and English provider in the Austin school district. So when the district told her that unless she signed that pledge promising not to boycott Israel, she could not do her job anymore, it was really hard for her because she provides a service that only she can provide to these children. But she could not in good conscience sign that pledge. And she was not willing to sacrifice her right to free speech, her right to express her political opposition to Israel's occupation of the Palestinians. So she refused to sign and sued the state of Texas for violating her First Amendment rights. And what happened? Um, well. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> No, no, we're not no gonna. Spoilers. No, no, we don't want to know. I don't want to know. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah, so of- I will. I will say that um, uh, boycott is currently in the film festival circuit. Oh, where uh, yeah. anything? Do you know anything playing in Tampa or in uh, Florida? In Florida. So we are going to be coming to Florida. We don't yet have that publicly announced yet. Okay. But if in case there are people who uh, want to send their relatives or their friends, uh, we have a screening this Sunday at the Cleveland International Film Festival. Uh, Next week on April 6th, we'll be in Denver, Colorado at a festival there. Um, The following week, we'll be in Atlanta, the Atlanta Film Festival. We'll be in Milwaukee in April. We'll be in Washington, D.C. also still in April. May, we have Toronto, New York City, and um, San Francisco, as well as um, St. Paul in in Minnesota. So if people want to keep an eye out for when we're coming to Florida or to other states, they can go to our website. It's justvision.org. That's J-U-S-T-V-I-S-I-O-N.org and sign up to our mailing list. And we are keeping everybody updated as the film continues to go around the country. We'll be in all 50 states. Okay, Julia, please uh, email me once you know that there is a date or a place in Florida we can bring you back uh, again. And uh, I know Julia tried to arrange to get any of the people involved with the film to be on the show, but we were not able uh, to get any uh, of them. And I'm not going to, I'm going to ask you all these questions, but don't answer them when it comes to the, uh, okay, what happened? But I know of one case because I was in Washington, D.C and there was an American Pakistani I think in the IT business and uh, he was able uh, somewhere around DC to have a lawsuit and again he won (laughs) but I'm not gonna uh, mention uh, his name but I'm curious because you mentioned several showings and participation in uh, uh, festivals. Was it difficult to promote uh, the film? Was it difficult to tell people, hey, uh, this is about boycott, Uh, this has to do with the Arab-Israeli conflict or the Palestinians, although it is something happening in the USA. Was it difficult to promote it and to get approval to show it? Um, I think that when Americans hear that their governments are encroaching on their right to free speech, um, it really touches on a a value that Americans hold very dear. Uh, Boycotts are actually part of the idealized uh, history and origin story of the United States because the boycott of tea was critical um, in the run-up to the Revolutionary Wars and to the independence of America when they said, we are no longer going to buy British tea because of you're taxing us, but we don't have representation. Um, and so I, I, I do believe, and it has been so far our experience, that there, that, that uh, value and that principle um, is something that Americans really want to hold on to. And these bills that started off 
uh, targeting uh, Americans advocating for Palestinian human rights is now being used as a template to target Americans advocating to say, address climate change or to address the uh, violence caused by the lack of sensible gun control laws. So in Texas, for example, there are now laws that are based on the anti-BDS bill that says that um, if you want uh, to have investments from the government in your company, if you want to have access uh, to public contracts, you cannot be uh, boycotting or divesting from the fossil fuels industry. Or if you want, again, to have access to governmental public funds, you cannot be divesting from the firearms industry. So now you're talking about decades of the environmental movement that has been organizing in boardrooms of companies to try to establish um, uh, ways in which boardrooms can address the climate crisis of the world by divesting from the fossil fuels. And now these companies are going to have to choose between their decision to address climate change in the world and their access to governmental funds and governmental contracts. Um, and so this is spreading to other issue areas beyond Israel and Palestine. And uh, everyone that we have talked to so far, when they learn about it, they are shocked. And so I think the yeah. problem is really a lack of knowledge and a lack of access to uh, what's going on at yeah. the state level. But yes, because uh, you mentioned the history uh, of uh, the U United States in particular with the boycott and the civil rights movement and uh, boycotting the buses uh, because of how uh, blacks were uh, treated. And I think there was even a Supreme Court case and the Supreme Court said this is a First uh, Amendment uh, issue. And yes, you can boycott and you cannot be Penalized. I'm not sure legally how they can go uh, around it. I'm not sure if you know, but my my worry here, for instance, recently in the past few years, we had two social events that were really um, like effective in a way, uh, but involved a lot of give and take. For instance, I'm looking at the Black Lives Matter and Me Too movements. For instance, if I participated in Black Lives Matter demonstration, and you know, some of them were uh, kind of, um, I don't want to say violent, but at least there was a police clashes or whatever. So if I, could this move to movement, if I'm going to apply for a government job and say, have you participated in Black Lives Matter? Would that like be held against mm -hmm. me? I mean, is it going to all these areas? Because some people may not may not be interested with, for instance, uh, climate ch uh, change and all that. Um, when we started making our film, the idea that these bills would become a template was theoretical. And it was a danger, but it had not yet started. By the time we finished the film, these bills had already started popping up. And they're spreading very quickly. And we don't know where they're going to go. Uh, they are certainly uh, become very popular in Republican-dominated state legislatures. Uh, we know that there are already other bills that um, target protests related to, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, these are bills that try to um, increase the, the offense of, for example, going into um, someone's, um, a, a company's land by making into a crime of trespassing. So basically increasing a lot more the liability 
that protesters would face um, and also diminishing their uh, protections. So, for example, there are some states that have started trying to make it protect the right of drivers if they run over protesters who are blocking a street. Oh, God. Um, and so these are extremely dangerous laws that are really trying to take away uh, the ability of Americans to, to protest, uh, to fight for equality, uh, to fight for justice. And the anti-boycott laws are one of those uh, bills that uh, are increasingly uh, being passed across the country. Let me remind our listeners, we're talking to director Julia Basha, and she is the director of many interesting documentaries like Control Room, uh, Encounter Point, uh, Budros, My Neighborhood, uh, and I think um, Naila and the Uprising, but she is also the director of a new movie called Boycott, and she promised us that she will come back again on the show once it is showing in uh, Florida, but if you can go to justvision.org, you will get a list of where the film will be showing. I, we are, we have many people, uh, Julia, on Twitter who are listening online, and I got several um, uh, email, uh, actually messages. If I may ask you, one is how many states have already passed this law? Thirty-three states. Thirty-three passed the law. Okay, and uh, another question: Or this uh, was it? Was any? Was it revoked in any state? Um, so there are several lawsuits that are uh, pending currently, uh, and there are several laws that have already concluded. Unfortunately, so far, the attitude of the states when they lose their cases in courts has been not to revoke the bill entirely, but to slightly tweak it so mm -hmm. that the plaintiffs lose standing while the law stays in the books. So, okay, uh, let's talk about the other subjects because I'm looking here, the names like Esther, uh, uh, Alan, I think Michael or George, these don't sound like Arabic names. Can you uh, start with Esther? Uh, yes. So S, yeah, Esther Kunz was the very first plaintiff. She's a math teacher in Kansas, and uh, she sued when uh, the anti-boycott clause appeared in her contract after she had been a math teacher and a math trainer uh, in the public schools in Kansas for about 12 years. Um, and she sued the state of Kansas. Alan Leverett, mm -hmm. he is the publisher of the Arkansas Times. Uh, it's one of the last remaining independent local newspapers in Arkansas. Alan himself is not involved in a boycott of Israel. He had actually never heard that there was such a thing as people involved in boycotting Israel for Palestinian human rights. Wow. He heard about it for the first time when it appeared in his contract. And the reason he decided to sue the state of Arkansas was because of the principle of the freedom of the press. As a, as a media publisher, he said it was absolutely impossible for him to sign a pledge to the government on a political issue in exchange for money. Okay. He said, our political opinions are not for sale. 
I think he even published a letter in the or an op-ed in the New York Times because, like you said, the guy never even heard about uh, the the conflict. Although he has a media uh, background, very interesting. What about uh, Brian Hose or House or? Yeah, so Brian House is actually the ACLU lawyer. He's a lawyer okay. with the American Civil Liberties Union, um, the ACLU, together with Care, the Council on American Islamic Relations, has been taking a leading role in uh, litigating uh, those issues and uh, supporting the plaintiffs with their lawsuits. Uh, Brian House has been the chief litigator from the ACLU. Uh, and so in the film, we follow with access to the offices um, of the ACLU, uh, what it looks like um, at the ground level of that fight um, inside their legal teams. And another question is like, who passes, like who introduces uh, these uh, laws, like who goes to the local city and start talking about it where, for instance, maybe there is no real representation for the other side. Like who, who does this? Does the film go through that? Yes. Um, the film, in addition to following the narrative arc of the plaintiffs across the country who are challenging these bills, it also does an investigative investigation into how these bills have come to pass with so little public scrutiny. So we look at the different players who have played a role at the state level in organizing this, and we go all the way back um, to the Israeli government. Uh, the Israeli government through its lobby? Um, Somehow. Yes. And, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the, the million dollar question, ignoring Palestinians or suffocating them, uh, has a very uh, a negative uh, uh, blowback or side effect. I mean, like everybody wants to ignore that there is a, a Palestinian issue. For instance, uh, I remember the uh, current prime minister of uh, Israel when he came to the UN, he never mentioned the Palestinians. And he said, you know, we wake up in the morning, we never think of the conflict, yet the conflict is happening on a daily basis. And now it's turning into a more violent existence, like the Palestinians have been, for instance, in Sheikh Jarrah, uh, trying their best to use uh, peaceful measures uh, in order to Uh, tell the world that there is some injustice going on in Palestine, that there is uh, an apartheid system in Palestine, that there is an occupation in Palestine. No one in the political arena is paying attention. But now, I mean, can't they see that this suffocation will lead to an explosion and the explosion might be bloody and might be violent? And I think what you try to do with your movies is to show, maybe not through a boycott, uh, but through the other movies that, you know, there is a solution. There, there is another way of dealing with this conflict. Yeah, and you talked about Sheikh Jarrah and we filmed in the community back in, starting in 2010 or 2011, um, when um, the first wave of attempts to um, take over the community by Israeli settlers was unfolding. And the Palestinian uh, community organized um, a very um, strategic, disciplined resistance to that takeover. And uh, we met at the time, Mohammed al-Kurd, who uh, was 11 years old and was uh, coming of age in in the middle of the struggle and learning the power of of his voice. Um, And he's quite an amazing narrator um, for people who 
uh, do not know who he is, I, I highly recommend looking him up, Mohammed Al Kurd on Twitter, um, over this um, past summer, uh, when there was another attempt to take over the homes of Palestinians in the neighborhood. Uh, Mohammed, who is now, I think, 21. Um, he's doing became, his, uh, ma- he's actually finishing his master's uh, in New York, and uh, he is a very popular among young people in colleges, uh, Julia, and I can't keep up with how many times he gets invited. Like you said, when people listen and know about what is going on, uh, people get engaged. So sorry, to, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but go ahead. Uh, not at to. all, not at all. I mean, yes, um, uh, Mohammed is, is, is a very uh, dear uh, friend of all of us at Just Vision. Um, and we have stayed in touch with him and with his incredible twin sister, uh, Mona, uh, who also has done a tremendous job um, organizing, advocating and speaking very eloquently um, with, a, with a very authentic voice um, um, about about the Palestinian struggle and about um, what Palestinians are facing. And Sheikh Jarrah is in many ways a microcosm of the continuation of the displacement of of the Palestinian people. So I I do think that um, there is um, uh, a shift in the conversation. I do, you know, I, as as we mentioned earlier, I am Brazilian. I am not Palestinian. Uh, I work in partnership with a team that is made up of Palestinians, Israelis, Canadians, Americans. We are an international team and we're very interested in um, how do we um, shift the conversations that are happening. And over the past 15 years, we have certainly seen shifts. Um, The the anti-boycott laws are a reaction, in fact, to how much the conversation has changed. Uh, And it's an attempt because they realize they cannot win the argument to crush the dialogue mm-hmm. and to make it illegal for people to advocate for Palestinian human rights. So this is that we are at a really critical time where um, because the conversation has shifted, the attempt now has been to stop the conversation from being allowed to happen. And so it's it's very important for Americans to understand how much that means not only for your ability to advocate for Palestinian human rights, but how this opens a Pandora's box for ability to advocate for many other issues that we hold dear. I'm glad, uh, Julia, that you are uh, doing the film and doing all these films because the U.S. is not your average uh, country when it comes uh, to the uh, Palestinian and Israeli issue. We uh, pay uh, a humongous amount of money uh, to to sustain the occupation, uh, the weapons, the uh, the diplomatic uh, support that we give the state of Israel is all coming from, uh, mainly coming from the U.S. We help the Palestinians, uh, like in the Palestinian Authority, to oppress the Palestinians and be the police people uh, on the Palestinians, and we give them money to maintain their presence in the occupation. Um, so I'm glad that you do that because this is, we pay for this. We pay for the misery of Muhammad and Munal Kurd and the attempts to uh, evacuate, uh, sorry, uh, uh, ethnically cleanse them. And I hope you will do uh, maybe a documentary on the uh, so-called non-profit organizations that are based in the U.S. and uh, finance the throwing of uh, Munal Kurd and uh, her brother uh, from their home. Uh, do you know these organizations that um, uh, are yes. based in yeah, the... Yeah, I'm, 
Yeah, there are there are in fact, as you as you mentioned, um, many ways in which Americans are complicit in what happens um, in in Israel and Palestine. One is directly through our tax dollars, um, and um, you know, three point eight billion dollars annually that um, is given to Israel. Um, and um, as you mentioned, also there are nonprofit organizations that are um, not paying taxes. Um, that are also um, supporting the settler organizations on the ground that are attempting to displace Palestinians from their homes. Uh, finally, the last uh, email I just received. Uh, th- thank you for the show. Could you please give us Mohammed's information so that we may follow him on social media and his sister? Thank you. Uh, this is from uh, another one. So they're asking for Mohammed's name. Uh, Do you have it offhand? I can look very quickly. I, I am quickly yeah, opening to uh, her. So it's uh, yeah, go. So Mohammed's, Mohammed's handle is M7MD, as in David, K-U-R-D. Okay. <laughs> uh, but if you Google Mohammed, L, is they go with L or L? E-L or Al-Kurd, Al-Kurd, yeah. I think. Yeah, anyone, if you Google Muhammad Al-Kurd or the twins, uh, Muhammad and Muna Al-Kurd or Sheikh Jarrah, they will immediately uh, come up. And uh, I'm very happy to tell you, Julia, that I was one of the people who uh, the, the, were on Clubhouse when Muna came uh, and the friends were there and they started the hashtag uh, Save Sheikh Jarrah. Uh, I ended up on Clubhouse because of them and trying to help them. So these little things and these movies and documentaries that you do, they open up a conversation. And I want to really thank you, Julia, for doing this. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much, Julia, for being on True Talk. I really appreciate all your hard work. Uh, one last thing. Can you give us the website uh, one more time, please, Julia, yes. before you leave? So if you would like to learn uh, where Boycott is playing and to join our mailing list, please go to justvision.org. That's J-U-S-T-V-I-S-I-O-N dot org. I want to thank you, Julia, very much uh, for being on True Talk. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And uh, to our listeners, I got also a message uh, saying if I could play the documentary one more time because maybe the audio uh, wasn't so clear at the beginning. So here it is. The movie is called Boycott, uh, B-O-Y-C-O-T-T. You can say the film boycott uh, because once you put boycott you will end up with a million things so this is true talk on wmnf 88.5 fm we still have few minutes to go if you want to call 813-239-9663 or text us at 813-433-0885 or email to dj at wmnf.org i'll be very happy to take your phone calls or emails or text messages but before we do uh thank you for always supporting true talk and thank you for always supporting uh, wmnf and here is the clip the boycott okay yes i do like it It's asking me if I like it. Yes, I do. 
people told me about this bill in Congress, the Israel Anti-Boycott Act, that would make it a crime to participate in a boycott of Israel. I, I honestly just laughed and I said, that can't be a serious bill. We don't need to spend time on this. Everybody understands there's a First Amendment right to boycott. Congress would never seriously consider criminalizing it. And then someone told me that it had like 55 co-sponsors in the Senate on both sides of the aisle. Once I started delving into this issue, I started hearing about all these anti-boycott laws in the states. I got an invitation to become a math trainer for the state of Kansas. I was ready to do my first training. I got an email saying, oh, one more thing. And my boss sort of smirked at me and he said, you know, there's something in here that you're really not going to like. I was stunned to see that there was a clause that I would not engage in a boycott of, of Israel. Like, what does the state of Israel have to do with Texas and elementary school? Basically, all it says is uh, contractor warrants. He does not and will not participate in a boycott of Israel as defined by, and it gives the law a number. Then he said, I'm going to keep you from getting business from us until you sign this. It's required by the law. I promise everything in this application is true. I promise that my company's in good standing. I promise that I'm not boycotting Israel. We were like, hey, we are boycotting Israel. I shouldn't lose employment because of this overreach. She apologized and said, I tried to do something, but unfortunately, if you don't sign it, you cannot return back to work. I called the ACLU and I just left a voicemail. I thought, okay, well, that's the end of that. Nobody will ever get back to me. Within 30 minutes, I had a phone call back and they said, we've been waiting for your call. People should be very concerned about state elected officials telling you that you actually have no right to express your views in the ways that are consistent with our democracy. There are a number of examples of how boycotts have been used effectively in the United States, where people withhold their money in order to push policymakers to make things more fair. To have a proliferation of bills that are criminalizing or penalizing that is really, really troubling and problematic. If you do sign it, and this becomes the norm, then you've just opened a Pandora's box. These are templates for quashing free speech on any issue. Take Israel out of it, take boycott Israel, and make, them, make someone certify that they don't uh, contribute money to Planned Parenthood. How many words would I have to change in this legislation to use it to condition contracts and thereby quash free speech of anyone who, say, supports Black Lives Matter or is involved in protesting for environmental reasons. It's like 10 words. It's a template. Why people are not more worried about it is just baffling. Becoming a plaintiff in a First Amendment case by the ACLU, especially on a hot-button issue like this one, all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. This could really change your life. Long-term friend of mine asked me, why aren't you getting involved in local issues? And I said, well, this issue is local. I didn't want an international issue in my contract. And there it was. This is like as local as you can get. All we're asking for is the right not to take a position. This just felt like a call. Like, you have the opportunity now to shine a light on this injustice. Free speech! Free speech! I'm looking forward to my day in court. I don't want to get too excited about it. Hard to imagine it going better. Whenever you see injustice, regardless of what face or gender, what's going on, you speak up. You have to say something.
You like this, uh, don't you love this song, the Rosa Parks song? Because, you know, boycott have long been a tool used by Americans rallying for political change from civil rights leaders to anti-apartheid activists. Uh, but in recent years, unfortunately, more than 30 states, according uh, to our lovely uh, director, Julia Basha, who was on True Talk a while ago, she says more than 33 states have introduced anti-boycott legislation designed to penalize individuals undertaking boycotts against uh, Israel. And we just uh, talked to uh, Julia. She is the director of uh, boycott the film if you want to uh, like google uh, boycott you will get with one million things so put the film uh, boycott or uh, put her name uh, which is julia g j u l i a bacha b a c h a she's the director of several uh, documentaries and she mentioned also uh, go to just vision 
www.ghanem.org and you can have uh, more information about the many documentaries uh, that she did. So Relief Boycott is an integral part of uh, our history. I always like to say I like to boycott certain foods. <laughs> uh, somebody is making me laugh outside the studio uh, and uh, certain type of franchises uh, because one time actually I was in my town maybe 15 years ago and there were a bunch of young people holding a sign and sign saying do you know how much is the tomato next to this franchise and I'm thinking what is this and uh, I googled it and realized that one franchise pays people who um, uh, cultivate the tomatoes peanuts and that they were being abused and why we should uh, boycott that place. So I did. The last thing I would think that if I want to apply for some government job, that this will happen. Actually, there is another young lady. Uh, she's an American born here. Her name is Natalie. And um, she just finished her certification to be a sports teacher at a college or a private uh, school. And they, she was accepted. And then all of a sudden they called back and said, we can't take you because there are a couple of tweets and then a couple of this and that. So really, everybody is trying to suffocate the Palestinian voice. And I think this will backfire. Uh, because when you silence people and put them under uh, so much pressure and you try to dehumanize them and dehumanize them, uh, they some people might uh, explode and this is not the right way to deal with uh, social justice issues. We have to talk to each other. We have uh, to listen to each other. There is something interesting happened to me last week on Saturday. Again, uh, if you want to send an email, uh, dj at wmnf.org. Uh, if you want to call, we might have a time for one call, 813 uh, because, you know, what do you think? This can come to your na own neighborhood and you might be applying for a job and then you will be surprised that you have to boycott this or that. But anyways, let me tell you about something happened uh, last week and why it is important to have WMNF and why it is important to have the different voices that you listen to on WMNF, even if you disagree with me. But I had two students uh, fly from Arizona uh, uh, to meet with two uh, students, college students in Tampa, uh, study at USF, because they wanted to conduct an interview with me about uh, being an American, Arab, Palestinian, Muslim a woman uh, with a radio show and with a huge uh, Twitter account. And how one can, um, you know, what, what is the value of this activism? Is there a value in this radio show? Is there a value of people getting together? They flew on uh, at their own expense because they wanted to create a podcast. And I insisted that we cover this, uh, that they we do the interview at WMNF. I have to tell you, they were in shock. They thought WMNF is a hole in the wall. They thought it's a tiny little thing and there is no way I, Samar, can be really, uh, and Ahmed, be broadcasting from it. They were in shock and decided to take footage of the station and outside the station. They didn't want to, but once they saw it, they decided to take shots of the outside so people can know 
that this is something they cannot have in the whole Arab world. They cannot have something similar to WMNF in the whole Arab world. So keep supporting WMNF. Even if it's only $5, do it. This is WMNF Tampa. NPR News is next.